Good to see you today. Um, I'm going to right now give you what will be the most important spiritual advice you will receive all year. In fact, if you work on this all year, you don't even have to come back to church. Most important thing to work on, right? This is it. This is it. Get rid of the stupid weather apps on your phone. <laughs> they lie to you. They tell you lies. How did you like that nine inches of snow? Wasn't that something? That was a beaut, man. I mean, we're just rumbling on through, plowing away. Oh, my word. We believe the hype. Three we best, believe it. Three best jobs in the world. Baseball player, uh, weather person, and politician. You get paid for doing your job like maybe a quarter of the time. <laughs> Yeah, just crazy. I, if we would all, our, our mental health would be much better if we would stop looking at apps. Just look yeah. out the window. <laughs> just look out the window. It'll tell you what's going on. Didn't need a nap in Buffalo growing up to tell me that was snow. And uh, got kind of a fun morning this morning. We had a mix of people on vacation, people sick, people at home because of, because of weather. So, uh, But we are here, and we're going to enjoy uh, a great morning together. Yeah, we are talking about... Poor Griffey got a little sick. Yeah, one of those people who's not here is my own wife. Yeah. Uh, she's at home dealing with our dog who uh, had a, a nice extra, uh, extra Christmas treat. And he decided that there, there's some rabbits in our yard and we think that he started eating the poop. And uh, now he's got a bacterial infection. And man, I love dogs, but they are not cheap. <laughs> I just kind of <laughs> laugh because, you know, when, when you got that puppy, you, you, you'd give kind of the old yeller speech. Yeah, everything goes wrong. We're taking a walk in the woods. And I'm not going to do that to my Griffey, man. Nope. Griffey's sweet, sweet dog. Nope. <laughs> so anyway, um, you got your uh, weekend update yesterday, and there were two things on there that were important, really important. The first one, of course, was just how we're handling January. Uh, as we go into February, we're going to be doing a an all-church transformative experience together to last for 10 weeks. It involves uh, workbooks, it involves small groups, it involves what we're doing on Sunday morning and friendships and building together. But in order to approach that the very best we can, we're going to use this month for some training of the people that are going to be leading that and unfolding that. So you'll be hearing more about that in the weeks to come. But in the meantime, for some of you, you know, you're part of a small group and you're like, well, so what are you supposed to do? Just take the month off? No, use the month. Use the month differently than you normally would. Maybe, why don't you all go out to dinner? Or, you know, do something together that's just fun and something that'll, that'll build the relationship a little bit more. Use this as a month to, to do some connecting. We're going to be offering some other connecting opportunities throughout the month, uh, especially you know, if you're newer and you've been, you've been liking what you're a part of, but you're like, hey, it's time to start connecting with some people. Uh, keep your eyes and ears open for the things that are coming. And, and then the other one was just, how do we handle snow? And the answer is with a shovel. We get <laughs> at it. We just, we're, we're, not, we're not wimpy. Nope. Uh, uh, that, that's going to be our new church slogan, not the wimpy church, right? <laughs> so, you know, if it's snowing, yeah, we, we drive a little slower, we drive a little more careful, but we get here and we will do our best to make sure the sidewalk is clear, the, the parking lot is clear, and that the door is wide open so you can get in as quickly as you can and get out of the cold. I remember a Sunday last year that was especially snowy and you were in Texas, I believe, visiting Nate. Yeah. And so Tom... Uh, Tom Sergis, Mike Miller, and I got here a little early and literally shoveled out the parking lot because our snowplow guy wasn't here yet. He had been busy all night, and doggone it, we were open for three services that day. So <laughs> it was or good keep time. It going. So uh, thank you again just for the, the generosity you show in continuing and giving and 
as the uh, month goes on, we'll actually, toward the end of the month, have an, our annual business meeting that we get together and talk about how things are going in the church. We talk about finances at that. You're, you're welcome to come to that, whether you're a member of the church or not. And, um, and one of the things that I love about the generosity of this past year, it's really put us in a place in the year to come to finally be leaning into and doing some of the things that we've wanted to for a while. But we're like, uh, are, we, are we sure we're going to be okay with everything that's going on in the world? And wow, we're doing way better than okay. So just really thrilled with that. And the reminder again that if, if you're one of the people who likes to mail in your offering, uh, we have these envelopes pre-addressed out there on the table as you're walking in the, in the noise break there. And uh, our, our post office box is finally, officially, formally gone. There's no reason anymore for Dennis to walk into the Shanahan post office. So everything comes here. Uh, so you can use those if you want. I already mentioned groups. So I just put this up because that guy is ready for the snow. Great boots. And uh, the other thing that we're, we're looking forward to, many things have returned since, you know, quarantine happened and everything else. Uh, quite a while ago. One of the things we've not yet moved back to is having people stash, stationed up front at the tables uh, to pray after mm -hmm. the services. And so that's something that we're hoping over the next few weeks to get going again. If you've been part of that in the past or if you'd like to be part of that, just up here ready to pray with people as they come afterward uh, to express needs and concerns. Uh, we would love to have you a part of that. So you can go ahead and just send us an email to the church, and we'd love to get you involved in that particular ministry. Um, thought a, a good way to start this morning. Well, I should ask you about students, by the way. Well, you're back at it, right? We're back. It's yeah. felt like forever. Um, tonight, high school is back six to eight, and we'll be going Sundays six to eight um, throughout all of winter. Now, with that, we, we said we stay open Sunday mornings because we trust adult drivers more than we probably should. Um, high school drivers are a little different, so we want to make sure that you get updates in case we do. Uh, there have been times in the past where we know a big storm is coming because we use the apps. Uh, <laughs> So we'll you move. Have to keep coming. With <laughs> yeah. So we'll move group up like from twelve to two because we know the snow's coming at four. So rather than making the kids drive in the snow, we'll we'll change the the time of group on a Sunday. We won't do that for Wednesdays necessarily, uh, but we want to make sure that if you have a student in high school that you are getting signed up for our remind. You can do that at the info hub here after the service, or you can come and see me. I can get you hooked up real uh, really quickly. It's how we get all of our information out about events. And again, those last-minute changes, uh, it's critical to, to us letting you know what's going on. Refuge for the junior hires is back this Wednesday as well, 6.30 to 8.30. And I'm telling you, we're, we're doing some really cool stuff that's going to be leading into being a part of our whole church event, too. Um, so this month is really, really, it's going to be a lot of fun um, for our students. Wonderful. I thought it would be good, with it being the start of the new year, for, for both of us to spend some time uh, praying with everybody as we as we launch into uh, what I hope will be a really great year yeah. of serving God together. Lord God in heaven, um, we recognize that in reality, uh, a new year is simply a flip of a page of a calendar. It's, it's not a big deal. It's just another day. But as human beings, there's something in us that uh, appreciates and leans into those moments that we, we get a fresh start a new beginning. We're able to put behind us what was and look forward to what is ahead. And we look forward to 2022. We look forward to um, the opportunities you're going to bring our way. We look forward to 
to the challenges that we're going to face that will, that will grow us to be more like Jesus. We, we, we truly have our eyes set straight ahead, looking for whatever it is you bring our way. We know that over the last couple of years, uh, nothing has really been normal, and, and we express gratitude to you for that. I, I'm thankful for those, for those creases in history that are not normal. Because it's very often in, in those moments that you're doing a unique work in your people and in the world, and we get to have our eyes wide open and ask the question, God, what is it you're doing right now? You told us in your word that you created us before the foundations of the world knowing the good things you would have us to do. And so we, we enter this year with our eyes fully open asking you, God, what are those opportunities? We want to embrace them. We want to be your hands, your feet in the world. We want to do all of your holy will. I pray that we would have in the year to come a spirit of courage, a spirit of adventure, a spirit that, that takes on with boldness the challenges that you place before us. And I pray that you give us the ability to celebrate, to just, to just cheer and enjoy those moments that we've seen your great work. And we, and we don't just move on from it, but we rejoice. We say thank you again and again. We raise our worship to you. Thank you, God. And God, on the, on the flip side, we know that, that there are those among us who hear the, the message of New Year's hope, change, revelation, growth, resolution and they're not with it they're not there whether that's because the last year over the last year there have been problems at work problems at home the loss of a loved one that they just had to spend christmas without god there's there's a lot of hurt as we head into a new year so i pray specifically for those people and I pray for our church that we'd be able to, to lift them up, to help them to not just see 2022 as another year in the mud, not just see the turning of the calendar as, as another opportunity to, to get hurt again or to, to be stuck in the, the same cycles over and over again, but, but that your hope, your life, and your love are ever-present, and they are offered to... It's, offered to each and every one of us. So I pray that as, as we struggle with our, our human view of the world, our human view of things, that, that you would be there with us, that you would be there to point us in the right direction, to pick us up when we're down, and to help us notice one another, to help us notice when each other is hurting so that we can be the hands and feet of you as well. Mm. And pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Uh, for our, one of our texts this morning is found in the book of Philippians, chapter 2, verses 1 to 11. I was going to have you go ahead and read that uh, for us this morning. It talks about humility, the humility of Jesus. It's our understanding. Verses, verses 6 to 11 was actually one of, the, one of the earliest songs that the church sang. So these are verses that, that would have been sung uh, as the people of God gathered together. But if you'd read that, I'd appreciate it. Yeah. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, 
if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing of the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love and being of one Spirit and one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be taken advantage of. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in the appearance of man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of of God the Father. The uh, series graphic on the screen has been in your face for a long time. We have been squeezing every ounce of Christmas out of Christmas we possibly can. We started long before, uh, way back in October, because we wanted to come to Christmas, Christmas Eve and Christmas Day recognizing Emmanuel, fully embracing Emmanuel, they, that God is truly the God who is with us. And now as we move away from Christmas, we're not letting it go. We're taking the themes that we talked about on Christmas Eve and we're bringing those into January. There has been, though, starting last week, a little bit of a decided shift. While we could literally call every sermon series the with us God, because God is always with us, there's a little bit of a, of a transition that took place. Because what, what we saw in the characters of Christmas is that when, when they came to that particular season of life, it was different than anything that had ever happened. And I'm sure that just like us, uh, they liked things to be normal and predictable and ordinary. They liked knowing what was coming next. And there was nothing during that season uh, between the conception of Jesus right on through his birth and the wise men a while later, there's nothing about that season that was ordinary. Everything about it was extraordinary. And it is in those moments that are not ordinary, the moments that we would call abnormal, that God does some tremendous work. And so we've been looking at the characters of Christmas, and we'll continue to in January, looking at them and asking the question, what, what caused them to be able to be people who embraced an extraordinary moment? Not just longed for, oh, please give us what we had, but, but how do we develop a heart? How do we nurture a heart that embraces extraordinary moments? So I'm going to change the graphic, if you don't mind. And, and through January, we're going to be talking about being ready for anything. Anything, anything that God brings our way. You're looking toward 2022. You're looking toward the rest of your life. You've got plans. You've got ideas. You've got ways you think it should unfold. Are you ready for anything? Anything God brings your way. Are you willing, like Mary, to say, 
God, I want what you want. I want what you want. And there are some things I desire. There are some things I'd like to see happen a certain way. But more importantly, I want what you want. We started last week talking about Mary, and I'm, I'm not going to do this every week this way, because if I do, this, a Sunday morning sermon is going to grow to be about two hours long. But I'd like to just go back and look at Mary uh, one more time. As, as she approached the events of the birth of Jesus, we see in her a heart of unreserved openness. She was just, she was open to whatever God wanted. I don't know that that's always true for all of us that we're always sitting in that place of saying, God, I want what you want. We want to grow that in ourselves. We want that to be nurtured. And, and for each of these characters, we've been looking at a way of nurturing readiness for anything. We've looked at a spiritual practice, a passage of Scripture that we can take with us, maybe even memorize, an area of discernment, trying to understand a little better the nuances of what we're talking about, and then finally a song, a song that we can let drip into our hearts and help to form us and change us to look more like Jesus. For Mary, we saw that the practice was the practice of welcoming divine distractions. That for a lot of us, we wake up knowing what we want to do with our day. And then something happens and, and it's like everything got thrown off. Everything's a mess. Is it a mess? Or is it exactly what God was calling you to do that day and it wasn't part of your plan at all? God loves to throw in divine distractions. If we're truly praying, your kingdom come, your will be done, then there are times that the agenda we had is going to be thrown away for the opportunity that God places before us in the moment. In terms of a passage, we had two. One was to go back to 1 Samuel chapter 3, where Samuel is learning to hear and understand the voice of God. And Eli tells him, just say it out loud, speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. I want to encourage you a couple times a day. Just stop. Say it out loud. Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. Opening your heart to the fact that God is bringing those divine opportunities along. As well as the words of Mary who said, I'm your servant, Lord. May it be to me according to your word. Whatever you want, I want. The area of discernment really had to do with... Uh, we, we, we like things to be normal, we like things to be predictable, but there are some of us who don't like normal and predictable. There are some of us who are change junkies. We just, we like shaking things up all the time. And if things get a little too predictable, a little too, I know what's coming next, we like to say, it's time to, for the sake of change, I'm going to change it. God closes a door, we start breaking windows. We're going to make this happen. And the question would be, if I'm, if I'm open to whatever God wants, am I also open to the moments of normal? Am I open to the moments of boredom? Am I open to the moments that, that yesterday feels like today and today will feel like tomorrow? Because that can be part of God's calling in our life too to just be stable in the season we're in. The song was Make Room by Alyssa Smith and Community Music, and we'll be actually singing that song next week. I'll make room for you, God, to do whatever you want to. To be able to sing those words with sincerity, I will make room to do whatever you want to. So let's move on to the husband of Mary. Let's move on to Joseph. 
Joseph is a, an amazing character in the Christmas story, but it's interesting, he's not really a prime character. He's got kind of a secondary role. When, when, you, when you see what's going on with Joseph, Joseph, unlike Mary, does not find out ahead of time that Mary is going to have a child. He finds out after the fact. Mary comes to him and says, uh, I've got a baby within me. And that, that just kind of blows him away. Joseph is a carpenter. Carpenter in that era was not, that was not a high-wage position, not a high-wage job. It was a poor position. Often worked with wood and stone. He, he's the man who's not, he's not trained in the temple. He's not, he's not trained as a scholar. He's just a guy going to work, and getting the job done every day. Just, just absolutely humbly walking through every day. He wants a decent life. He wants a wife. He wants kids. He wants to enjoy life. And here his plans are rattled. He's engaged to be married. Engagement then is a little different than now. It was referred to as a betrothal. So if you get engaged these days, we know engagement is, hey, we plan to get married. In fact, I generally recommend to people, if you're, if you're getting engaged, you're going to get married, Right? You're going to get, you don't just hand out rings. Let's see, let's see which one takes, you know, or something like that. You, you, you get engaged with the intention, this is leading toward a wedding day. But in modern engagement, you're not tied until the word I do comes out of your mouth. Then God says, death till you part. But until then, you can walk away. Wasn't that way for Joseph? Wasn't that way for Mary? The betrothal was actually a legal process. They were already bound to each other. And the reason for that pre-binding prior to the wedding is to find out if Mary's carrying somebody else's child. Mission accomplished. They find out in the betrothal that Mary's carrying someone else's child. And then she breaks the news. By the way, it's not a human baby. It's the Son of God. Oh, really? Really? Says Joseph ponders this. He decides he wants to break off the engagement. In order to do this, he's actually going to have to go to temple officials and break off the engagement. But he doesn't want to do it in a way that brings her shame. Angel appears to him and says, no, seriously, she is pregnant with the Son of God. And Joseph takes on this beautiful role of raising God's child. Talk about intimidating. You know, some of you have had kids that are like Mensa genius or something, and you were lucky to get out of third grade math, and you're like, how am I going to raise this child? You, you get the privilege as Joseph of raising perfection. Think about that for a moment. How often do you think, how often do you think Joseph said something to Jesus and, said, and Jesus said, well, actually, <laughs> let, 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 let's, let's fix this. Let's get this right here. I mean, it's crazy. He, he humbles himself to be willing to raise someone else's child, the someone else being God himself. Story continues. We see several times that, that Joseph re receives dreams, four dreams in all. Uh, several of them are warnings. Get out, of, get out of Israel. Herod wants to kill the babies. You can come back. It's time. But, but don't, go, don't go back to Bethlehem. Head to Nazareth because there's a new Herod who would love to get rid of Jesus as well. He's a threat to his life. We see later in his story, uh, 12 years old, that, that Joseph brings Jesus to the temple. And, and while they're there, incident takes place. And, and Mary and Joseph lose God. Imagine that for a moment. You, you, you've got to pray to God right now and say, God, we've lost your son. We don't know where to find him. 
And, and they go back, and of course, they find him there at the temple. We'll talk about that in a few moments. What, what's intriguing about the story of Joseph is that you come to that temple incident, and that's the last we hear about Joseph. We don't know how he died. We, we don't know. We know nothing of how he left the scene. What we do know is that when John and Mary are standing at the foot of the cross, John is given to Mary, and Mary is given to John, and it's Jesus' way of saying, this is the man who will take care of you now. Joseph is gone. Joseph is dead by now. What do we see in Joseph? We see a man of reflexive humility. I say reflexive in that humility for him was second nature. He, he, didn't, he didn't have to muster up his humility. He didn't, he didn't have to work at being humble in that particular moment. Humility was a, was a reflex virtue for him. He leaned toward humble very easily because his heart had been trained to be humble. What did that training look like? Well, first of all, just like Mary, here's a man who walked a walk of virtue. The, the moment that he receives the dream isn't the first time he's going, maybe I should live for God. He was a man who chose to live for God. It's, it's difficult to be open to anything that God tells us if we don't even have a relationship with God. Both Mary and Joseph had a relationship with God. We, we see that when um, Jesus is going to be born, he finds out that she's going to have this baby, God's son, but, she does, but he doesn't understand it fully yet. He decides he's going to break off the engagement. And it says, Joseph, in verse 19 to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man. He was a righteous man. This was a, this was a person who was already working on a relationship with God. Difficult to grow in humility. Difficult to be a humble person if we're not entering into proper relationship with God. We also see in Joseph that he is a thoughtful, reflective, attentive person. He's not impulsive. He's not an impulsive person. He's thoughtful, reflective, and attentive. If you think of the humble people in your life, hopefully God has blessed you with some people in your life who walk a walk of humility. Here's one of the things you'll, you'll recognize in humble people. They notice things. They notice little details. They see the little stuff that everybody else misses. You'll be standing in a group of people and, and, and all of a sudden, the humble person will just disappear for a moment. Like, where'd they go? And they come back, they come back with a cup of water because someone in your circle has been, like, hacking up a lung. And you didn't even notice it because you're telling your story. But the humble person is going, this person has a need. And they take care of the needs. They're always noticing the needs of other people along the way. They're attentive, they're reflective, and they're thoughtful. They're not impulsive. I love that prior to the angel appearing, Joseph gets the news and it says, as he considered this. He's actually pondering, he's thinking, he's reflecting. He's in a place of trying to understand, God, what in the world am I supposed to do with this? I don't want to shame this woman. I know she's a, she's a good person. What am I supposed to do with this? And it's in that thoughtful and attentive place that he's able to hear the voice of God. We see again when, when it comes time for them to leave Egypt and come back home. He is warned in a dream 
that, that he's not supposed to go back to the Bethlehem area. But even before that, verse 22 says, when he learned that the new ruler of Judea was Herod's son, he was afraid to go there. He's paying attention to what's going on. He's not simply relying on supernatural dreams. He's paying attention. Humble people are attentive. They're thoughtful. They're reflective. And they're not impulsive. Further, we see of Joseph that he's a selfless man. He did not live life looking for his, looking to get his, looking for what was in it for him. I'll be delicate with this because I know we got kids in the room and such. But verse 24 and 25 make clear that Joseph and Mary get married. Mary is pregnant with Jesus, and they do not enter into a physical relationship until after the birth of Jesus. It's a pretty selfless act on the part of Joseph. Pretty selfless act. He doesn't say, hey, we're married. I get what I want. He's selfless. He looks out for what's best for Mary. What's, what, he looks out for the desire of God. He's also a man of very few words. In fact, he's a man of no words in the Bible. He doesn't say a thing. There's not one word attributed to Joseph. You know what's attributed to Joseph? Action. Humble people do. Proud people talk. They, you know some proud big talkers? Oh, they're always going around announcing and pronouncing and saying, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, I'm going to take it, I'm going to do this stuff. And then you check in with them six months later. Yeah, I'm still going to do it. Still going to do it. Big on pronouncement. Big on announcement. Humble people act. They do. Time and time again, Joseph is not credited for the words he says, but the action he takes. This is what grows humility. And the other thing that's beautiful about Joseph is he's content with his place in the story. And his place in the story is not a prime actor. His place in the story is secondary. Over and over again, you'll see references. When, when, the, when the men from the east come to bring their gifts to Jesus, it says, they walked into the house and found Mary and the baby. Makes no reference to Joseph. Again and again and again, Joseph is kind of, he's pushed off to the side. Most of us would be like, hey, you know what? I was willing to be part of the story. I, I at least want my name mentioned, please. Get my name in here. And then, and then look at this part of the story. So you, you come to Luke chapter 2, verse 41, and it's time for this Passover festival. They head on off to the festival. Jesus is 12 years old. Now you understand traveling at that time. We're not all into stranger danger and, you know, we've got to put a monitor on our kids and whatever. We travel by caravan, and it's like everybody's everybody's kid. We're all just, we're all hanging together. It's possible that you can be traveling together and not see your kid for a bit. So they, they travel to Jerusalem, and on the way back, somebody, somebody finally says, have you seen Jesus lately? Everybody's like, Jesus, Jesus, where's Jesus? You know, and, and Mary and Joseph have this horrifying moment of realizing they've lost the Son of God. They, they head back to Jerusalem as fast as they can, and it's a while to get there. They get there. Three days later, they discover Jesus in Jerusalem talking to religious leaders. And, and the religious leaders are blown away. They're amazed. Now, here's the thing. Later this afternoon, you forget your kid, right? You leave your kid at church. And about 2.30, you realize we must have left him at church. And you see him sitting here on the soft couches talking to me. You're like, yeah, neat, whatever. Neat conversation. Where were you, kiddo? Come on. 
I had to drive all the way back here in the wretched snow. The app told me nine inches of snow I drove through just to get back here and pick you up. Are you kidding me? Where were you? Well, you know, it's interesting. Mary and Joseph are not all that impressed with the conversation. It's Mary who speaks up and says, Son, why have you done this to us? Your father and I have been frantic, searching everywhere for you. And you know what Jesus says? Hear it. You're not my dad. You got that? Why did you need to search? Didn't you know I'd be at my father's house? Joseph is willing to recognize his part in the story and to live into his part of the story. In fact, what's his part of the story? They return to Nazareth with Jesus, and it says Jesus was obedient to his father and his mother. Joseph had the privilege and responsibility of showing Jesus what a righteous man looks like. For far too many of us, we are not content with our part of the story. We want to rewrite the script. We want to change something that gives us more prominence, gets our face out there a little bit more, instead of being content with the role that God has given us in the story. In this, you see his growth in reflexive, reflexive humility. The opposite of humility, of course, is pride. I find it kind of amazing, incredible, that in our, in our humanistic, godless society, pride is actually the elevated virtue of our time. You're supposed to be proud. You're supposed to celebrate pride instead of celebrating humility and a walk of humility. What does pride look like? Pride needs to be noticed. Pride does nothing without everybody knowing that they did it. I'm the one that did that. Please, I, see me, notice me, hear me. That's pride. Pride needs to be informed. Needs to know... Hey, Pride is frustrated when other people know before I do. Because I thought I was special. I thought, I thought I was inside. I thought I was inner circle. And now I find out when everybody else did. And our pride gets hurt. And pride, pride needs to be the lead. Needs to be the main character in the story. Needs to be upfront and central. None of these mark who Joseph was. Joseph was a man of humility. The Bible has a lot to say about humility and pride. I just, I just pulled out a handful of verses and just read them. Without commentary, just read them. Let this scripture wash over your soul. Pride ends in humiliation while humility brings honor. Pride goes before destruction and haughtiness before the fall. Pride leads to disgrace but with humility comes wisdom. James says God opposes the proud. He actually stands in opposition to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble, which is a quoting of Proverbs 3.34. The end of that passage, he says, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. Jesus said of humility and pride, those who will exalt themselves will be humbled and those who will humble themselves will be exalted. And Peter finally says, all of you should be of one mind. Sympathize with each other. Love each other as brothers and sisters. Be tender-hearted and keep a humble attitude. 
So how do we grow reflexive humility? Because reflexive humility is going to be necessary if we're going to be ready for anything that God brings our way. Again, looking at those four things, we'll start with the spiritual practice. And the spiritual practice for this would be active anonymity. Choose to do something and nobody knows you're the one that did it. Nobody knows. It might be an act of service. Whatever it is, do something and nobody knows you did it. In fact, when someone else is credited for it, don't correct it. Well, no, actually, I did that. Just leave it. Just leave it. And part of the reason we do that is to see what it does to our hearts. Because for most of us, what we find is that we do things so that a gold plaque will be put on it with our name. So that people will know how good we are. So people will know what we did. The practice of active anonymity will grow within us deeper humility. As for the passage, had Brian read the whole passage of Philippians 2, 1 to 11, but I give you in particular, if you, want, if you want part of this passage to focus in on, part to memorize, go to verses 3 and 4. Verses 3 and 4 say, don't be selfish, don't try to impress others, be humble, thinking of others is better than yourself. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. These words are sitting on the wall, not too far from the soft chairs in the gathering space. If you're sitting in the right position, you can actually stare at it while you're having conversations. Because these are the words that should guide our conversations. That, that we're paying more attention to someone else than we are to ourselves. That we're not looking out for, ourselves, for us, we're looking out for others. We're not trying to impress, we're not trying to be selfish, but we're being humble in our relationship with others. And then, of course, we have the example of Jesus. He says, have the same attitude of Jesus, the attitude of humility. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. He didn't see it as a right to say, I have the right to be declared God, and I'm going I'm to grasp tightly to that right. Pride grasps tightly to rights. Pride grasps tightly to identity. Jesus was able to let go. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges, took the humble position of a slave, and was born as a human being. The creator became the creation. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God. He was willing to obey the Father and die a criminal's death on the cross, and it's because of that he was elevated. It's because of that that he was honored. In terms of discernment, the issue with humility very often will we'll get mixed up on, on humility with words like confidence and self-image and self-esteem. There are a lot of people that have self-image and self-esteem problems, and we look at that as a form of humility. Sadly, it can actually be a form of pride. It can be a form of, rather than pointing to our accomplishments, we're pointing to our weaknesses. Nonetheless, we're still pointing to ourselves. Humility is not a poor self-esteem. Humility is not a poor self-image. In fact, humility and confidence go hand in hand. You can be incredibly confident and humble at the same time. Why? Because you're confident in God. Because you're confident in the right thing, in the right person. And so those two things actually walk together. You don't look at a confident person and say, oh, they lack humility. You can be incredibly confident and incredibly humble 
And likewise, just because you might have a poor self-esteem or poor self-image doesn't mean that you're necessarily humble. Two songs for you. I was trying to think of a good song for humility. And, you know, you got songs like Always Be Humble and Kind, but I thought if I do that, Shelley's skin will melt off having to listen to a country song. And, um, and, and honestly, what we don't want to do when we're talking about humility is sing about our own humility. Well, I'm so humble and perfect in every way. You know, that's our, um, what do we do? Well, we sing a song that points, that points away from ourselves and points to God. And the two songs I would put in that category are Gratitude by Brandon Lake and No One Ever Cared for Me Like Jesus by Stephanie Gretzinger. Gratitude, all my words fall short. I got nothing new. How could I express all my gratitude? I could sing these songs as I often do, but every song must end and you never do. So I throw up my hands and I praise you again and again because all that I have is the ability to worship you. What can you give God? Some of you just went through Christmas, you know, trying to give the guy who has everything something. What can you give God, the creator of all things? All you can give him is your heart of worship. All you can do is say, I've got nothing without you. Letting gratitude pour over our hearts helps us to grow reflexive, reflexive humility. We know it's not us. We know it's him. And then no one ever cared for me like Jesus my heart could tell a story if my life would sing a song, if I had a testimony of anything at all. No one ever cared for me like Jesus. His faithful hand has held me all the way. When I'm old and gray and all my days are numbered on this earth, let it be known in you alone my joy was found. Not in my accomplishments, not in my abilities, not in my identity. All my joy was found in you. Let my children tell their children let this be their memory that all my treasure was in heaven and you were everything to me. So these songs, just let them play. Actually, we're compiling slowly a playlist of the songs of just the spiritual practice of letting these words wash over our souls and form in us the character that God desires. You'll find the link for that in your, in your update from yesterday. Here's how God wants you to live 2022 and beyond. He wants you to be ready for everything absolutely anything. It comes through unreserved openness. It comes through reflexive humility. Can you say honestly as you look at the year ahead, God, I want what you want. That's my heart. And so, Lord, I pray that you would grow that in us. Grow us into people of tremendous humility. Walking, as you say, humbly with our God. That's your desire. Micah 6, 8. Shown us what is good and what you require to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with our God. Grow our humility, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. We'll go to communion now. We have two tables at the front and two at the back, gluten-free on either side of the platform, as well as a gluten-free station at the back. And while communion is, um, while we're going to communion, you'll hear music playing, but I'm also... We're going to go ahead and have those verses scrolling again, just letting that scripture wash over our hearts. So uh, scripture about pride, scripture about humility, scripture about Jesus, and um, hear, hear what God has to say to you as you read and take in his word while we go to communion. Um, since the first time I sang this song, 
They sing about the same woes. They're not fallen yet. I think when we sing this song in our own hearts and we don't sing it with a God perspective, it goes something like this. Walking around these walls, I thought by now they'd fall, but they haven't. How uninspiring a song would that be? But that's the song we sing, right? No. Walking around these walls, I thought by now they'd fall. Next slide. But you have never failed me yet. If you stare at the walls, you will be discouraged. If you stare at the God who crushes mountains, you will learn to walk in confidence. This is a statement of confidence. You have never failed me yet. So why in the world should I believe that you will now? I don't know what 2022 holds for you and beyond, but I suspect you sing this song and there is a wall that you keep looking at and saying it hasn't fallen yet. It's really not the issue, is it? You've never failed me yet. You never, ever, ever will. That's the confidence with which we will walk into this year. God never fails us. We'll see you next week.